Father, we uh, come to you, God. Lord, thankful for what you're doing in this place. God, I just, uh, Lord, we just commit the service to you. God, that you would reign over our lives. Lord, that our hearts would be turned to you. Lord, we thank you that you have filled this space. Lord, we pray these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Well, good morning, Regen. Um, I'm so glad that you are here today. Um, whether you're here in the building um, or joining us online, which can we just get an amen that for the second week in a row, we have not had any drops on the live stream. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just feeling, worship was really good today. <laughs> um, so if you're joining us here today, um, Seriously, we are so happy that you are here. I'm happy that you are here. Uh, and you, are, you have been prayed for this week. Um, and there's just a high expectation of what God can do in this room. Um, if you don't know me, uh, my name is Holden. Uh, I am on staff here at Regen. Uh, my official title is Director of Ministry Support and Development. It's quite a mouth, mouthful, um, so if it makes it any easier, uh, you can just refer to me as the way that Kyle does, the church secretary. <laughs> so today we are continuing in our series, First Love, and if this is the first time that you're tuning into the series... Um, it comes from the book of Revelation when Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus and he's telling them that they no longer love in the way that they first did. And he is calling them back to their first love. See, as a church, we are feeling that Jesus is calling us back to our first love, that he is calling us back to him. And as I prayed about my first love story, um, I was just reminded how simple it was. And honestly, I love that. I love simplicity. The simplicity of my first love story starts with just one single thing, and that is the name of Jesus. Just his name. So, I thought, why not start this sermon with my favorite place that tells us who Jesus is? So if you have a Bible, um, go ahead and turn with me to the book of the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Sorry, let me get there. We're going to be starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. But he came to his own, his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You guys want to know how you know you're a Bible student? Your, the Gospels are ranked based on which ones you prefer to preach from. <laughs> See, for me, my favorite is the Gospel of John. Um, and if we look here at the start of John, in just a few verses, he has introduced us to Jesus. He has taken us from the beginning of time through creation into present time. And through his description of Jesus and God's plan for Jesus, he has shown us the gospel in its simplicity. As Charles Spurgeon says uh, at the beginning of his sermon on John 1.12, everything here is simple. Everything is sublime. Here is that simple gospel by which the most ignorant may be saved. See, the simplicity of the gospel here is that receiving and believing in Jesus gives us the right to experience what it means to be a child of God. John has shown us here that whether we have never known our first love, whether we have never known Jesus, or whether we have known Jesus and walked away, that Jesus is the way. Look again with me at verse 12. See, verse 12 begins with, but to all who did receive him. In some translation, the word but is translated to the word yet. And this specific phrase is meant to set the people in verse 12 apart from the people in verses 10 and 11. Verses 10 and 11 tell of the tragedy of the world, the word of God enters the world and it is not recognized by the very world that he created. He comes to his own people and they don't recognize him. They don't receive him. It is a sad reality that the vast majority of people did not or would not recognize Jesus for who he is. However, not everyone rejected Jesus. Uh, in fact, it's important to recognize that all of the first disciples were, Jew were Jewish. Jesus' ministry was first to the Jews through whom salvation comes. And if we look at the following of Jesus, the number of followers that he had, think of the feeding of the 5,000, there were plenty of people who received him despite all the rejection that he faced. So let's take a minute, just a few seconds here, 
to think of what comes to mind when we hear the word receive. See, for some of us, it might be to receive a gift. Um, If you're sporty, which I am not, it might be to receive a football. Honestly, though, neither of those really fit the bill here for what we see in Scripture. It really means to receive or welcome someone as an honored guest. So what does that look like? Well, imagine you're having a dinner party, and you tell your guests, dinner's going to be at 5 o'clock. You're upstairs, you're getting ready, you're getting your hair done, or if you're like me at 4.45, putting on regular clothes, because I like to be in comfy clothes as long as possible. Um, But the doorbell rings, and you look at your watch, and it is 4.45. Now, you could say, hey, come back in 15 minutes. I'm not ready yet. But that's not normally what happens. Normally, we welcome them into our home with a line such as, hey, make yourself at home. I'll be down in a minute. Or, hey, I'm finishing up dinner. Go ahead and come on in. See, when I first started here on staff, staff meetings were at 9.30. Doors opened at 9 o'clock. And I used to live under the uh, saying that if you're on time, you're late, and if you're early, you're on time. That doesn't happen anymore because I have a toddler. Um, (laughs) But it's what I used to live by, so... I show up to a staff meeting at 8.45. And my plan is to sit out in the car until 9 o'clock when the doors open. And I received a text from Kyle. And it said, hey, stop being a creep. Come on in. (laughs) See, despite them not being ready to receive guests, they welcomed me into their home. It made me feel welcomed, it made me feel wanted, it made me feel loved. See, that's what it means to receive Jesus. It is to welcome him into your life as someone you want there. I grew up going to church with my grandmother. Uh, Saturday nights, we would stay the night, eat popcorn, and watch Flipper. Does anybody remember Flipper? Sunday mornings included Sunday school and sitting in service with grandma because I was a troublemaker. (laughs) See, I knew of Jesus. I knew the Sunday school stories. I knew that God was supposed to be loving. But I also remember in sixth grade sitting outside in the middle of the night cursing God because of the struggles that I was going through. I was a child of divorce had feelings of abandonment. There were some other things going on. How could a loving God allow a child to go through that? That night, I decided I no longer wanted anything to do with Jesus. I rejected him and walked away. I had become a self-proclaimed atheist. Life didn't get easier after that. Um... Really, it just continued to grow harder, got more complicated. I began to struggle with depression and anxiety. 
And those feelings eventually turned into self-harming behaviors and suicidal thoughts. In my junior year of high school, I began attending a youth group regularly. Now, I feel like I need to uh, make this clear. I was not interested in Jesus. I was interested in a girl who was there. (laughs) However, unlike Corey, I did not marry her. But I remember the night that I found my first love. See, we were at youth group. We were actually, we were mourning a friend who had taken his own life. And I knew that I needed to make a change in my life. Otherwise, the people that I called friends would be here again soon. And that was not something that I wanted. So that night I pulled the youth leader aside and I told him everything. I told him all the feelings I was having, everything that I had done, and that I was ready to give this Jesus thing a try. After all, what else did I have to lose? As I would soon find out, a lot. But guys, I gained way more. I gained a family. I gained a father that I felt I never had. In healing, I didn't think was possible. Now, if you were to ask me, Holden, what scripture did you pray? What did you pray? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I can't remember. All I remember was calling on the name of Jesus. All I remember was the power that flooded over me when I cried out to him and received him as my Lord. And my life began to change after that. But when it really changed was when I began to really believe in Jesus. So what does that look like? Well, if we look back at verse 12... It says, but to all who did receive him, who believes in his name. You know why I just love the English language? Because we can take one word and give it multiple meanings. For example, the word believe. See, uh, in modern culture, the word believe is used in many different ways. I could say, uh, I believe that it's going to rain today. It's Ohio, I woke up to snow, it's not what I was expecting. So it's completely possible that it rains today, because we can experience all four seasons in one day. But that would be a hunch. Like, I have a hunch that it's going to rain. I could say, I believe that George Washington was the first president of the United States. That's That's a factual statement that I believe in, because there is factual proof that backs that up. See, the belief that John uses in his gospel means something completely different. The belief that we are are to have in Jesus is not a hunch, it's not a fact, it's not an intellectual thing. Rather, the belief here is a complete trust and reliance in the one who we believe in. It's like Chloe. 
in all of her wonderful toddlerness. She always wants to be held. Guys, toddlerness has been the strongest, the uh, most stressful season of life I've lived through. <laughs> but it's wonderful. And she just recently learned the word up. So there's this constant, like, she runs up to me and she goes, daddy, up. Because for some reason she can't pronounce the second D in dad. And every inclination in my body to tell her, no, I'm not going to hold you right now, just completely goes away. And I have to pick her up. I can't, I can't deny her that when she says that. But once she's up in my arms, she does this thing that I've heard the kids around here. Uh, she does this thing that they call limp fish. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, uh, limp fish is when a child allows every muscle bone in their body to just relax and they kind of just fall. And Chloe does that every time I pick her up because she thinks it's hilarious. (laughs) See, what's happening is she believes that when she does that, that I, as her father, will not let her fall. She trusts me completely. This is the type of belief that John is talking about, completely trusting in Jesus. In the New Testament, the word belief is used 241 times. Of those 241 times, 98 of them are in the Gospel of John. Over a third of the New Testament's uses of belief are in this one Gospel. Jesus uses believe over and over again in his conversations. Uh, Just a few examples of these are, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. John 3.16 The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. John 6.29 But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. John 20, 31. There's just a few examples of how uh, believe is used in the gospel. But each time, it's in reference to believing in Jesus. Having complete faith in Jesus and who he says he is. So by all accounts, it seems to me that to be a Christian is to believe. And let me tell you guys, I believed. After I received Jesus in my life, I was all in. I mean, I did everything that I could. I went to every youth retreat. When I got older, I started to serve at every youth retreat that I went to. Um, I went to concerts. Anybody remember Winter Jam? I think it's under a different name now. Um, Guys, I had participated in a 24-hour fast. And let me tell you, that was the hardest one because I really love food. (laughs) See, I was spending time in the community that I had grown to love. After graduating high school, I had become a youth leader at my youth group. 
I followed after God and what I felt his plans for my life were. I was serving in ministry. I was thinking about going to ministry school. Even after my car accident in 2014, I didn't have a doubt in my mind that it was God who saved me from that. After being called into a different church, I knew at that moment that God was calling me into ministry. Not as a hobby or a pastime, but as what I was supposed to give my entire life to. And so with that, I became God's yes man. If I felt it could possibly be God, then I leaped feast first into it. No questions asked. Ministry internships, years of continuous volunteer work, pushing family to the side, working less to show my commitment to God and the church. Somewhere along the line, whether because of unhealthy habits, my stubbornness, or my inability to keep a, stay in a healthy relationship with God, ministry became a task. God's people became a task. How many phone numbers did I get? How many people did I text this week? Guys, I had allowed God to become a task. And I can say with certainty that this was when I lost my first love. When I allowed my relationship with Jesus, my trust in Jesus, my reliance on Jesus to become a task. I no longer cared about what I was doing. I was doing it simply because it needed to be done. And though I called Jesus Lord of my life, my life did not reflect that. In that season, I felt as though I shouldn't be allowed to do this. I felt that I wasn't good enough to be in ministry. But what brought me back? How did I begin to find my way back into relationship with Jesus? How did I return to my first love? Well, for me, it was accepting and living into the simple truth that I am a child of God and God wants me to be with him. See, despite all I had done, when I received and believed in Jesus, God chose me to be a part of his family. He adopted me into his family. In other words, sorry, verse 12. <laughs> See, verse 12 finishes with, he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, God chooses to give us, through his grace, the authority, this is the part that I don't want you to miss, the authority to become or experience the state of us being God's children. See, just because we are human, that doesn't make us God's child. Being God's child is not something that we're born into. Membership at a church doesn't make us a child of God. We can't become a child of God by working for it or earning it or doing what is right or being a good person. See, the only way to become a child of God is for God to adopt us into his family through our receiving and believing in Jesus. It's only by the will of God. What does it look like to be a child of God, though? 
See, Romans 8, 15 through 16 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. See, when God adopts us into his family, we are his children and we can call him Father. He wants us to call him Father. He wants that relationship with each of us. Despite what we have done, despite our lack of trust, he is always there with his arms open, willing to invite us back into his love. See, when I was growing up, my stepdad and I did not have the greatest relationship. Uh, A lot of it was my fault. But I remember one time, uh, I looked at him and I said, you're not my dad. A few years later, I'm laying in a hospital room after my car accident, and they asked me, they're like, do you want me, do you want us to call your father? And I said, no, he's standing next to me. Despite our rocky relationship, despite our distance, my stepdad had chosen to allow an avenue back for me into his love. He had chosen to love me as his own. And now we have a great relationship, and honestly, he is the best grandfather I could ask for for my daughter. As children of God, God wants that relationship with us. He wants us to live into the inheritance that he has for us. Even though sometimes that relationship may waver or be tested, he always wants us to be with him. About four years ago, I was in a really bad place. No matter what I tried, I couldn't be happy in ministry. I couldn't be happy with my relationship with God. I was ready to quit or just lower my head and barrel through. Either of those options would have led to me living an unfulfilled and unhappy life. However, God called me and Heather out of that season, um, a season where our spiritual life felt stunted, season where our relational growth wasn't happening. And that, my friends, is when I found my first love again. See, over the course of the next four years, I had entered into a relationship with Jesus that had begun to change the very nature of who I was. I had experienced Jesus in a way that I hadn't in a very long time. It hasn't been easy. In fact, I would say in some ways it's gotten harder. But living into the simple truth that I am a child of God. And despite all the mistakes and rejections, he still chooses me. That's what keeps me returning to my first love. If you've never known a first love, I want to invite you to begin chasing after him. If you've never known Jesus, Because when you receive and believe in Jesus and become a child of God, he chooses you. He wants you to be in relationship with him. And if you've known a first love and you've walked away, I want to invite you to think about what is keeping you from returning. Just as Jesus invited the church of Ephesus back to him, he is inviting us back to him as well.
God creates avenues for us to return to him. So I want to ask today, what is keeping you from your first love? Is it the fear of giving your life fully over to Jesus? Is it the lie that your past mistakes disqualify you? Or do you struggle with the idea of a loving father who wants you? As we return to our first love, we change. As we chase after Jesus, as we begin to follow after Jesus, we change. Our natural lives begin to start aligning more with Scripture. We move from a religion or a task into a relationship with a Heavenly Father who wants us. And if that isn't good news, I honestly don't know what is. Here at Regen, we want to build our lives on the rock that is Jesus. And when we do that by hearing his words and putting them into practice by being obedient to what God speaks to us and over us. And so in a moment, we'll, we'll have a moment of silence. But I want to encourage you today, if you've been sitting and listening to these sermons and, and you're still just like, I'm not sure I really have experienced my first love for the first time, I just want to encourage you to say yes to Jesus today. It's not easy, but it's simple. And he wants to know you. He wants to be with you. If you're someone who has experienced that, if you've said yes to Jesus, but you feel like you're not really living like you have a father, that you feel like you have to protect yourself, provide for yourself, kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, like I want to invite you this morning to, to confess that to the father and to ask him to be your father and to show you how you can live and trust that you can let him provide for you, that you can let him protect you. You're not a slave, you're not an orphan, but you're a beloved child of his. And if you're someone who's just today needing to hear God's voice, I just want to invite you to ask him to speak to you today. He wants to speak to his children. He wants to give you a message of hope. If you're someone who needs relief, as we were praying before the service, I just felt like there are people who need relief today. I don't know if that's physical, I don't know if that's spiritual, but the Father wants to speak that relief over you. He wants to speak his peace and his joy over you. So um, during communion, um, Kyle and I and the Brits and the Frisks will be in the back. If you want prayer for physical stuff or spiritual stuff, we'd love to pray for you. Um, but right now, let's just take a moment and ask the Father, how is he getting your attention this morning? What does he want to speak over you? Father, we confess this morning that so often we feel the need to protect ourselves, to provide for ourselves, to care for ourselves. And 
yet you view us with absolute love and affection as we hear the sounds of these little ones in our sanctuary today and feel such delight in them. Father, we know that you delight in the same way over us, that you just want to be with us and that your desire is to protect and to provide and to care for us. So Father, I pray that the things that are standing between us and you, that we would um, ask that you'd remove those things, that we would tear those things down and that we would run hard after you and that we would find you waiting there for us with open arms, with love and affection, that you speak over us your delight and our belonging. And so I pray, Jesus, that this week that we would live in light of that. 